would you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? I'm going to have you turn there, and then if there's some way you can mark in your Bibles 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to kind of go um, in, the, in the main passage, 1 Corinthians 15, for a while, but then we're also going to dive in to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's uh, some in the pew, and uh, feel free. If you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to take that with you as a gift to you. And We're in 1 Corinthians 15. This whole passage talks about resurrection of Christ and resurrection of our own bodies if we're followers of Christ. And I want to start in verse 12 of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And my message this morning is entitled, This is a Big Deal. Yeah, I mean, like, this is huge. I think sometimes <clears throat> we live in a society where we kind of have our uh, routine, and uh, so when we show up to church, it's kind of like, well, this is what you do on Easter Sunday, and then following this, we'll go and have another lunch with our family and maybe another meal with another side, and, you know, that's kind of Easter. Everybody dresses up. We maybe go Easter egg hunting, all that. We can get caught up in some of the motions, but this is a, a big deal. And the implications of Christ stepping out of the grave has huge, huge implications for you and me. I mean, it's just amazing. And I'm going to break a little bit of that down this morning. I hope this is something that you walk away going, man, this is a big deal. And I, I didn't have a, a title for my message until Friday, and I was thinking, this is a big deal. I think that'll be the title of my message. Verse 12, Paul says this. He goes, tell me this. Since, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. You see why this is a big deal? Okay? He says, and we apostles, we'd be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead, but that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ, they're lost. Verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. In other words, it's like you're doing all of this stuff for no reason. You showed up here, you woke up early for no reason if Christ is not alive. And people drive by on the highway going, those sad people. This is a big deal. I stop right there for a second, and one of the things I want to highlight is that why would Paul take time to talk to the Corinthian believers and say, if you're not going to believe in the resurrection, then Christ did not rise from the dead. And one thing you need to know, in that culture, in that time, there was something called Gnosticism or dualism. And if you heard my message on the church in Thyatira when we did the letters to the church series, I broke down what that means. And Gnosticism is essentially this. If I have this special knowledge 
Okay, we understand that the body and the spirit are two separate things, and the body is inherently bad. It's gross, it's disgusting, and, and my spirit, if I have this knowledge, anything that I do in the body doesn't affect my spirit. And it's a very dangerous teaching because you and I both know that our actions in our bodies certainly have an effect on our spirit. And through this, though, there was a kind of a philosophy as well in their culture that if the body is inherently bad, then the thought of a resurrected body is incredibly disgusting. It's disturbing. If the body's bad, why would it come back to life? We don't want anything to do with that. And so these Corinthian believers are kind of thinking, well, I don't know, people around me, you know, they, they, they got all these views, you know, and it doesn't quite fit with this storyline of what you're telling me, Paul. And he's like, look, if you're not going to be raised from the dead, then Christ wasn't raised from the dead. And if there's no resurrection for us, it means there's no resurrection for Christ. And if there's no resurrection for Christ, you got a whole list of problems. And you see that here in verses 12 through 19. Starting in verse 14, your, preachly, your preaching would be senseless. Your faith in Christ would be useless. And all the witnesses and the preachers of the resurrection, guess what? They're liars. They're lying to you. But we know a lot of these witnesses and a lot of these preachers of Jesus in the early church, they'd go on to lose their life because they were preaching Christ. That's a a strong testament to how they felt about Jesus. He was worth dying for. No one would be redeemed from their sin if Christ did not rise from the dead. And all former believers would have perished. And, and again, Christians would be the most pitied people on the earth because they're out there doing all of these things, but it really doesn't matter. If there's no resurrection for us, it means there's no resurrection of Christ which means there's a whole mess of problems that come after that. Paul believes in Christ's resurrection, and Paul believes that he himself will one day be resurrected. And also, as he's speaking to the Corinthian believers, and it's true for us today, one day you will be resurrected if you're a follower of Christ. Look at verse 21 through 22. We kind of shift into a next section here. He says, see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. I want you to look at the screen for a second. Just as there's death by one man, then there's life by another. And I'm going to break this down because that might be confusing to say, just as death entered into this world through Adam, so life or resurrection enters into this world through Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But it's un you need to know that the reason why you're a sinner is because of the DNA that's been passed on from Adam and Eve. You go back to the garden and when sin enters the world, humanity is now passing along this DNA of sin. That's passed along through the blood. 
and they can actually, uh, science is, is starting to catch this, is that if you look at the DNA, uh, they even call it now a mitochondrial Eve or a Y chromosomal Adam. And there's scientists who aren't Christians that say, you can look at our DNA and trace it back to one ancestor 200,000 years ago. Well, for me, if you look at the data and I look at God's word, I go, yeah, I do have a common ancestor with all of you. And it was Adam and Eve, and it was about 6,000 years ago. But through their blood, as a human being, I am a sinner. And guess what? So are you. But God doesn't just leave us there. And you see that in this passage. It says, so just as death comes by one man, from Christ, through his blood that he shed on a cross, you and I can have life. And, and how do we attain that in our life? How do we receive that, that uh, blood covering, if you will, in our life? The Bible says through faith. And I want to take a second here. <clears throat> I brought a, an umbrella in, and hopefully it works this morning. But I want you to imagine the wrath of God needs to be satisfied. The Bible calls this propitiation of your sin or appeasement of the sin issue. There has to be a payment. Well, guess what? Christ paid for it on the cross. So there is a way to be protected from the wrath of God, but it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not under that in your sin nature. You have to come under that through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, all the wrath against sin and the judgment of sin is poured out onto Christ. And since I'm under that covering, I'm redeemed, I'm saved from that wrath, I'm saved from my sin because of the blood of Jesus. So because of the blood of Adam, there was the way of death, but because of the blood of Jesus, we have the way of Christ. And if you look at this verse on the screen, Romans 3, verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. There's that word, okay, that propitiation of our sin through the shedding of his blood. Look at the last part of this verse, though. How is it received? By faith. I'm not just making this up. This is straight out of the Bible. In order, in order to have life, according to this verse, I have to put my faith and my trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And it's not just me, it's all of us. Have you come under this covering of Jesus' blood? It can only be attained through faith. Kind of forgot how to work an umbrella. Romans 5, 9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? The proof of Christ's atonement or his appeasement or our propitiation for our sin was in his resurrection. If he did not rise again, again, your preaching would be useless. Your faith would be useless. 
we would not be redeemed from sin and redeemed from the wrath of God. But he rose from the dead. And those who are believers, they will rise too. So now go back into this passage with me. We're going to look at verse 20 and 23. If you thought, why did he skip over 20? It's because I'm coming back to it in combination here. Verse 20, Paul says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. We know this. We're talking about it this morning. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Verse 23, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. When will this resurrection happen? When he comes back. I want us to understand a biblical concept here of the resurrection of believers in Christ. For the sake of an illustration, if you want to do this with me, you can. If you're like, that's awkward and I just want to watch you, that's fine too. Okay? So each of you have a body. I'm going to put my left hand out. You have a body, and inside your body you have a spirit, okay? That's what separates us from all other creatures is God has given you a spirit, and your spirit lasts forever. It'll be one of two places, though. Okay, your body, your spirit. We're mortal beings, which means we have the, if you will, the ability to die, For those who died in Christ, so they had a relationship with Christ, their body remains here on this earth, and their spirit is in heaven. Are you tracking with me? This is important because the next part that I'm going to read, it's going to all click and make sense. Okay? You're either on this earth with your spirit inside your body, or if you're a follower of Christ, you're in heaven and your body is left here on this earth. Okay, at the resurrection, which is when Christ comes back, those who are in Christ but they're in heaven, they'll come back with Christ and they'll receive their bodies resurrected. This is a big deal. And for those who are alive when Jesus comes back, the Bible says that we'll be changed in a moment. In an instant, we'll be transformed. Some of you will not taste death. That's what the scriptures say. How is that possible? It's because Christ is coming back, and those who have died in Christ, they're coming with them. They're going to receive their resurrected bodies, and your mortal bodies will be changed to immortal bodies, immortality. That's, this is a big deal. And if you aren't believing that, then Christ is not raised from the dead. You can't just with one and then kind of wonder or wishy-washy with the other. If Christ has raised from the dead, then you guys have a resurrection coming too. I want you to see on the screen as I read these passages, there's kind of a flow here. I just described to you. There's the dead in Christ who are with Jesus, and when he comes back, you'll see that the bottom left-hand side is, is those who are alive in Christ and the bodies of those who are dead in Christ. They're going to rise. 
Listen to these passages. This is where I said, have your Bibles open to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you want to flip there, I'm going to read you this passage. And it's verse 13, and I'm going to go through 17. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, uh, we believe, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. I'm not making this stuff up. It's right out of the Bible. We tell you this directly from the Lord. That's a pretty good source. Okay? We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever." This is our resurrection day. I'm reading about it right now. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, this is a big chapter. And if you go to verse 30, this is what Paul says. Our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. At this moment, at the resurrection of believers in Christ... Listen to what Paul says in the very next verse. When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture has been fulfilled. And he's quoting Isaiah and Hosea. And he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a resurrection day coming, and that is, that's a big deal. I'm not trying to be annoying with that. I'm just telling you, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And he wraps this up in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You see how he capped this off at the beginning? He said, if there's no resurrection, then your faith is useless. But guess what? Since there is a resurrection, everything you do for the Lord has meaning. Everything you do for the Lord and the hope of the resurrection makes all the effort and the sacrifices that we make day in and day out for the kingdom, it make it worth it. No work that is done in Christ's name is wasted in the light of eternal glory. 
I just love this. I know it's 8.30 in the morning, but this just cranks me up a little bit. To know that someday I am gonna, I'm gonna experience that same resurrection power that we are celebrating here today in Jesus. And I'm not trying to make this about me or about you guys. I mean, this is about Christ. But here's the thing. What he has done for us has meaning for all of us. That means if I have a loved one who's died as a believer, someday I'm going to get to see him again. There's hope in that. It's powerful. I want to ask the worship team to come up. They're going to present a song to you today. That word hallelujah, I said, means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And all that I'm saying in this message is made possible because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Praise the Lord for what he's done for us on the cross. There's this song called Hallelujah written by Leonard Cohen back in the 80s. Maybe for some younger folks in the room, if you've ever seen the movie Shrek, this song is on there. And in 2010, a lady named Kelly Mooney took this song, asked for permission to rewrite it so that it's an Easter version. And it's so cool. It's so powerful. And this morning, the worship team is going to present this song. And uh, I just hope you're, you're blessed and ministered to as they present. Thank you.
Right after the resurrection that I just described to you this morning, the stage is set, it's Revelation 19, and all these saints are in heaven, and there's this huge victory celebration, and you want to know what that multitude says? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what he has done. Isn't that encouraging? It's a big deal. Thank you. It's a big deal. 
Will you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Father, we thank you for this promise of life everlasting through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only possible because of Jesus Christ. Perhaps there's someone this morning that is listening and there's something that resonated with you and you feel like when this day comes you might not make it in that resurrection because you haven't put your faith and your trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross. And if this morning you want to place your faith in him, I'm going to lead you in prayer. And I ask that you just pray in your heart along with me. Just say, God, this morning I come to you and, and I need a Savior who will redeem me from sin. And so I come to you that knowing the only way I can have that redemption is through Jesus Christ and for his work that he's done on the cross. And so this morning I reach out in faith and ask that you would come and redeem my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me by your blood and make me a new person. And I ask that you'd help me to walk in the relationship that you've given me. Help me to walk with you each day, living for you, living in your ways, and looking with expectation to the day of the resurrection of believers. Thank you for saving me. With every head bowed and eye closed, if there'd be somebody maybe that prayed that prayer with me, I want to simply ask that you'd lift your hand. Just let me know. Pastor Russ, I prayed that prayer with you this morning. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Father, I thank you for the new life through faith in Jesus Christ. There's new life in this place today because people have come to put their faith and trust in you. And we thank you for this. And all glory to you, God. And I pray that for these individuals that lifted their hand, if you hear my voice right now, I want to just tell you this. Walk in the ways of God. Get into his word, the Bible, and discover what his purposes are for your life and walk in them. Lord, we thank you for this redemption. We thank you for the resurrection that you've promised, only possible through the resurrection of Christ. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.